room for one more, honey. We're gonna go for Joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. And welcome back to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys got over that uh, wonderful Pity for Your Thoughts episode and got all that mind reading out of your system. Um, My quarter just fell over before we started this episode, <laughs> uh, so I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, right. Uh, my quarter fell apart or fell over a long time ago. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, this week's episode is uh, is called 22. It's season two, episode 17, which you think they would have made this the 22nd episode, but whatever. Um, <laughs> air date is uh, February 10th, 1961. Uh, number one song uh, is, is now Will You Love Me Tomorrow, the Shirelles. Yeah, I think that was number one last week. Uh, nice. Number one film, song. Uh, 101 in Dalmatians, still going strong there. Um, only thing I could find that was kind of relevant to the date was uh, George Stephanopoulos was born on this date yeah he, i wrote that down too i wasn't even sure if i was gonna bring it up but <laughs> this is like that's all i can that's find something. yeah he you know he he runs uh was it this week on sunday mornings on uh abc whatever he you know political stuff whatever so happy happy birthday george stephanopoulos like your actual birthday so that's all i got <laughs> yep. so let's just get yeah. into uh i guess cast and crew yeah sure so this episode is directed by jack smite who we have talked about quite a few times on the show. He directed The Lonely, Lateness of the Hour, Night of the Meek, and uh, now 22, which this is the last time we'll see Jack Smite on the show. Um, yeah, another shot on video episode. So I'm sure we'll talk about the look of this one as we get into it. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed pretty much all of his entries into Twilight Zone. So another one I'll be sad to see go. He had, uh, especially with The Lonely and Night of the Meek, um, he had some some really good ones. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, some of the challenges in this episode, especially in the last couple minutes, I you know I don't know how she could have done what she did. You know, being on a studio and a soundstage to try to to show to what effect. Um, we'll get to more of that later. So yeah, he was one of the the the, the more competent, like better directors. And of course, the Lonely being one of my favorite episodes. Uh, it is a shame that we don't get much more of him. Like you know, this is it. Yeah, it's it's also unfortunate that that was the only shot on film episode that he got to do. Yeah, uh, since he was fairly proficient in this the uh, the uh, sh- shot on tape stuff, he kind of got uh, set aside to do those episodes, which is fine. He did a great job with them, but it would have been nice to see him do some other stuff on film. Um, so this episode was written by Rod Serling. It was based on an anecdote from Bennett Cerf, I believe. 
Um, I know we talked about that last week on the pronunciation, yeah. but it was out of his book, Famous Ghost Stories, which I guess was a collection of kind of urban legends and his takes on urban legends. I wasn't quite sure. I couldn't find a copy of it and I couldn't find the story or anecdote that this was based on. Uh, but it's basically the story is the coachman's warning, which is something that's been used in a lot of uh, horror storytelling where I, I, I don't know if I want to go too far into it because it's going to spoil what this episode is too early. OK, yeah, that's um, but I, I will say it's it's it has origins that go back to. I, I think I found 1906. There was a story in a magazine called the bus conductor where there was a, the conductor of the bus was basically warning a woman that something bad was going to happen. And, um, that's where we get the just room for one more is from that. So that thing kind of made its way through, uh, urban legend ended up in 1945. There's a, a film called dead of night, which I've heard quite a bit about. I haven't watched yet. It's an anthology film, but uh, I believe it has a bit to do with this urban legend. So Rod Serling took that. He wrote the teleplay for this. And yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I guess that's it for crew. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll jump into cast here. We have Barbara Nichols as Liz Powell, who this was her only Twilight Zone episode. She's probably most well known for the sweet smell of success with Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis. Uh, this is another character. I feel like recently we've seen a lot of character actors that basically have a shtick and they run with it their entire career. And every time you see them, they kind of play the same character. This is, this is her character in this. Yeah. She got typecast like as a, a stripper slash dancer, dumb blonde. I, I don't know if I want to say typecast. Cause from what I heard that she fully embraced it and used it as a way to get more roles. Well, then so I, I think she fair. found a yeah. niche and just really like took on that character and just she she wasn't ashamed of it. She just she was good at that and she got work because of it. I, and, um, so, good on her. <laughs> on her Wikipedia page, I think it was they listed that she was known for being in many cheesecake magazines. And I thought that was a funny way of describing <laughs> basically pornography with clothes on you know like your pinups well, right that's great she yeah. was she was a dancer in this role right <laughs> yeah uh, or as her agent said stripper quickly at one yeah. point and then corrected at himself the, at those cheesecake clubs uh. <laughs> the cheesecake factory <laughs> like, where were you tonight honey? i was at the cheesecake factory <laughs> well you don't smell like cheesecake oh no it's, it's fine i didn't i didn't have much oh no that's not good anyway it was, it was a little out of date i don't know <laughs> <laughs> cheesecake went a little old i don't oh. know uh, they, they, they only serve oh, slices terrible. three minutes at a time i don't know what happened <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway sorry i'm about to lose my mind all right <laughs> uh it should be known we've recorded uh about two hours of western talk for uh invasion of the podcast <laughs> before this so i feel like we should have mentioned that at the beginning of the show yeah, uh, I guess, yeah <laughs> anyway uh, yeah so Next up, we have uh, Jonathan Harris, who plays the the uh, insanely creepy doctor in this episode, <laughs> who he's probably most well known for. I shouldn't say probably. He is most well known for his his role in Lost in Space as Dr. Zachary Smith. 
um, which I'm not mistaken. Was he like the stowaway that was spoiling everything? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know much yeah. about Lost in Space, but the pilot yeah, was I've, shot. I've seen a few episodes here and there uh, just growing up. And I, I remembered his face. And when I saw it was Lost in Space and I looked up his character from that, that I, I could kind of remember him. Yeah, he was he was not part of the pilot. And then when they brought him in, like it became this thing where he actually started like writing his own dialogue eventually and creating his own character. And he started getting popular. It was him. And then the robot, which also was not in the pilot, I think, if I remember reading right. So it became this whole thing of more people wanted to see the robot or the the robot uh, and him. And so he kind of kind of started taking over the show and, you know. That kind of makes sense, but like the the the, the main um, husband and wife that was on the show, they were supposed to be the top build. They kept getting pushed off to the side. So I guess for the three seasons the show existed, there was a lot of tension on set because of this guy. So he was like the scrappy do of Lost in Space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he also did a lot of voice work for cartoons. I saw he did some stuff for uh, Bugs Life, Toy Story. Um, there are a few other interesting ones on there. So it has been funny if you a scrappy do, but uh, he uh, he grew up <laughs> he grew up in the Bronx and he worked to cultivate a more sophisticated English delivery. And it's like you, like hearing him talk in this episode, especially, it's like you can tell that he really worked to try to come across with the, what they call that that mid Atlantic, uh, you know, accent. Um, and I would not have known he grew up in the Bronx. Um, other thing I found out here too is that uh, he was on uh, the Conan O'Brien show. And Conan brought out the pimp bot 5,000 just to have, uh, have this guy just hurl insults at the robot. And I thought that was great. <laughs> I, I got to find that clip. That I got, sounds yeah. amazing. And the, um, the, the, the entry here says that Conan confessed to Harris that he brought him on the show just to have him insult pimp bot. And that moment made his day. And that is my favorite thing I've read in a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he was also in Battlestar Galactica. He had a returning role as the character of Lucifer. Uh, yeah, and know. he was in one other Twilight Zone episode. But yeah, I'm going to have to find that Conan clip. Yeah, I have to find yeah, we'll have to find that because I love Pimpbot. I love Pimpbot 5000. Yeah. If, um, if I can find it, I'll post it to the, uh, the Facebook page here nice. in a bit. Um, so yeah, that's all I have about Jonathan Harris. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Fred Wayne, who plays Barney. Uh, he was in two episodes of Hawaiian Eye. There you go. To uh, bring that up. Uh, interesting. He was in Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey, which has been talked about quite a bit recently with that new documentary on Netflix that's out about uh, Jim Carrey in that role as Andy Kaufman. So I figure I bring that up. And then he was in one other Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I guess this guy, he he developed a one man Ben Franklin show and it took off, right? <laughs> And then okay. you look at you look at his cast like his IMDb credits. Sounds he, fun. He plays Ben Franklin all the time. Like it's just he. This is one of those things where he just developed like a play. People liked it, and then he just became Ben Franklin. So I guess I guess there's worse ways to go, you know. So um, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. I found that clip of Jonathan <laughs> Harris. So I'll post that to the uh, to the Facebook page later on tonight. I love it. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's very strange. Um, it, it did not strike me as a Ben Franklin character in this episode. No, I mean, well, I mean, um, he's kind of a womanizer. But anyway, uh, so yeah. yeah. Um, uh, next up, we have Arlene uh, Martell, who is credited as Arlene Sachs in this episode. And she was also in the What You Need episode 
she was a girl at the bar. And if I'm not mistaken, we discussed her at that point because she was in a very famous episode of Star Trek, yeah. which I'm sure you can speak to uh, more of. I, but I believe we talked uh, talked about her with what you need. Yeah, she was the one that got handed the cleaner. Um, yeah, okay. Because the baseball player, like, needed his suit got messed up, and he was on his way out, and he needed to get cleaned. And she's like, oh, I have this, and then they found love. Um, yeah, and, and then the old when I saw that she way. was in that Amok Time episode, it rang a bell, and I yeah. was like, ah, yeah, we did talk about her before. And I just need to mention again, she got top billing in Zoltan, The Hound of Dracula. She wasn't in that movie very long, but she got top billing. It's all about Dracula's dog probably talked about before probably yep. never will talk about it again moving on <laughs> uh that's really all there's a few other people in this uh this episode we have mary adams as the day nurse norma conley as the night nurse uh wesley lau as the airline agent and angus duncan as ticket clerk yep. but couldn't really find too much about any of them i don't know if you have anything about uh, either of those some important things uh, Mary Adams was in Hawaiian Eye. Just want to mention that. Oh, I um, must have missed that. Wesley Lau, uh, he was the airline agent. He's the one who hands the ticket, I think, at the end of the episode. He was in yeah. Johnny Midnight. So there we go. We got the, the, the not trifecta. All right. We Take got, your drink. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and that's all, you know, nothing else. But that, I had to get my Johnny Midnight and my Hawaiian Eye connections out of the way. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. that, that's it. That's so, your cast. That pretty much does it. Yeah. Uh, you basically just have those uh, those top four people are most important in this one. So the rest of the people are just background actors. Yeah, pretty much. So, so. Um, yeah, let's certainly take it away. So uh, apologizing in advance. Remember, this is a shot on tape episode. His dialogue is, is being muffled by the music. This isn't nothing. It's just the way it is. So just we'll just bear with it. This is Miss Liz Powell. She's a professional dancer. She's in the hospital as a result of overwork and nervous fatigue. And at this moment, we have just finished walking with her in a nightmare. In a moment, she'll wake up and will remain at her side. The problem here is that both Miss Powell and you will reach a point where it might be difficult to decide which is reality and which is nightmare. A problem uncommon, perhaps, but rather peculiar to the Twilight Zone. Or the fishbowl zone. My goodness, that was uh, that was like it was. I get it, but at the same time, it's like you. The music wasn't playing live on set. You know, like he was there doing his dialogue. I don't know what happened there. It was weird. Yeah, could have brought the, those levels down a little bit. <laughs> um, I I was hoping he wouldn't just show up and they would just pan over to the doors and almost just like have his shadow behind it and have his voice echoey coming through the morgue doors there. That'd be cool. That would have been, wouldn't really it? Cool. Like yeah. that's really what I thought was about to happen there. I was so excited, but then he's just staying there. So <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Like, not, not one of the better ones, but like, would you rather him be like in, in her hospital room, like cleaning up the broken glass with like a broom and like into it, like a, a dustbin and talking <laughs> for like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that would have fit with the, uh, <laughs> with this episode, but I, I guess it would have been fun. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean the whole, the, like this episode, it, it's weird because it moves fast, but then it drags in the middle. I don't know how to describe it because and they also, they also take their time within the segments of this. Yeah. Uh, there's at least four minutes of this episode of her wandering down dark hallways, which I mean, out of, it, it, out of a 25 minute episode. And I, I love that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like that's one of my favorite things are just people exploring scary uh 
scenery. That's like just walking yeah. through scary things. Like that's fine. <laughs> I'm into it. That's not my problem with like I agree. Like the the beginning of this with her waking up in bed because um I forget what it's it's the sound of the ticking clock that wakes her up, right? And she wakes up and she's reaching for a glass of water and it breaks cuz she goes to fumble it and then she gets up and she hears footsteps and she goes out in the hallway and sees the doors of the elevator closing but there's a figure in there. She takes the elevator all the way down and she goes to room 22 in the bottom of this basement and it's the morgue and that's where you see the night nurse uh what's her face here um and she says yeah. you know honey room, room for one more honey and then and then she screams liz powell screams real loud at the beginning that you heard the episode here and she goes running away and she wakes up so that yeah. but that takes like three minutes to get there yeah, and that's that's when we get the uh, the Serling intro too. Yeah, is after that whole dream sequence, and it's it's great. Like it's very atmospheric. I could watch her wander around a dark hospital for twenty minutes. To be honest, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> and, but also that the doors, the when the morgue doors open, it's real. It's real quick. I mean, you see, you can tell it's a painted background, but it looks like a hall of mirrors that just runs into infinity. And it's very cool. Like it's 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 cool because you you only see it for a second, and I, and I, it's just it's a very off putting image. And then well, having- even as she even as she turns a corner, like the doors are still uh, like opening and closing, like they're still moving. Yeah. And then the nurse kind of breaks out of them really fast. But just the fact that the doors are still moving back and forth when she turns a corner, I think that's a very very haunting imagery. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. And credit to Liz Powell. She uh, had a set of pipes on her. Her scream is piercing, you know, and it, it's very effective, you know. And yeah. And her facial expressions and everything. And the fact that she's holding her arms like it's significantly colder in the basement. Um, very effective. Just uh, she when she's not playing her normal character in this is really good. Yeah. Um, and uh, not to say she isn't good at the character she played her entire career. But I was after reading about her and finding out that she played that character a lot. I was really hoping watching this this episode that it was going to be something different for her. And it very quickly becomes the same character for. But yes and no. Like, I feel like she is aware of her place in the world in this episode. Mm -hmm. And she's constantly commenting on it. And no one's like either either people are dismissing her or they just don't care. Like yeah. she, she plays the character very smart. It's just that everyone's treating her like she's an idiot. And I, I respect that Sterling at least wrote the part to where she could have just been a dumb blonde being like, I don't know why I'm having nightmares. It's more like I'm having nightmares. It keeps happening. This isn't right. And then, and, and, but I know we're kind of jumping ahead, but no one believes yeah. her, you know? And, yeah. yeah. And she, she, she is very quick witted as well. Yeah. Like she has comebacks for everyone. Cause the next thing we get after the intro and everything, uh, her agent Barney shows up and with, with it's the world's largest glasses. Talking. The world's largest glasses. I just want to point out, this guy's <laughs> yeah. glasses were massive. Um, anyway, sorry, they're Larry King size glasses. They're huge. But yeah, he's kind of fast talking her into like, oh, you're still a big star. You're you're gonna do great. And we find out she's a dancer. Uh, well, at first he says stripper, and she corrects him <laughs> to dancer, which I like. Uh, he's kind of fast talking her and telling her, Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And we get the doctor comes in and, uh, this doctor is so creepy. <laughs> like this dude, 
<laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that Barney also keeps saying, hi, a kitten. What's going on? And then she, she says something along the lines of like, don't look at me like I left my mind at a bus station. He's like, well, it's just a crazy story, right? Like, he's just basically saying, you know, women be crazy. Like, you know, but he's always <laughs> like, he's always just like, no, don't let it bother you, kitten. No. And it's just like. It was uncomfortable then. It's like a thousand times worse now. And then the doctor oh, coming yeah. in. Especially just, today. And then, oof. yeah, the doctor comes in and his the first words out of his mouth are is like something to the extent of like, you're still as beautiful as ever and you make me wish that I was a young intern. And his laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I believe I believe you're going to play it at the end of the episode. Absolutely. So I'm not even going to uh, try and attempt it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. Like this dude, especially in the climate we live in today, um, well, he even says I would be yeah. out of this hospital <laughs> so fast well, <laughs> if I were her. And he says something worse to her at towards the end of the episode too. If like we, mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll get to that when we get there. It's like because yeah. like his character, it's like for the humanity that you had in the faceless doctor and um, I the beholder who was supposed to be this bad guy, but then you heard him like talking to other faceless person about like, you know, he felt like he felt some sorrow for the, the, you know, the girl in the bed. And you get the idea that this guy actually isn't evil. He's just trying to act within the, the, you know, his job and his role, but he feels sympathy. This guy is like the exact opposite where he's coming in like a monster, but then he says things ever so often where it's like, he's really trying to help her. And then uh, immediately right after he says something stupid, like and degrading. And it's this weird, yeah. weird balance. Like he doesn't, I can see why he was cast as a bad guy for a lot of what he did. I can say that. Yeah. Well, it kind of made me think that he was up to no good. Like right? it was some sort of scheme and maybe it was done on purpose. I think it was just his face. <laughs> I, yeah. I just think it was his delivery. Um, I think he was trying to, I don't know. I just think he mishandled the approach of the character. Like he should have been a little bit more, a little bit more gentle. Cause I mean, you already had Barney being an idiot. Do you need everybody being an idiot? You know, like I don't, I guess, it, I guess it ultimately serves the story because she, she believes herself. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. It just felt like too yeah. many, too many cooks in the kitchen, but cook isn't the word I'd use. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, then he explains, you know, that she's been having this dream and it always happens exactly the way it happens at the beginning of this episode. You know, she's thirsty, reaches for the water, drops it, hears the footsteps, goes to the morgue and the nurse pops out. So he says, maybe tonight, if you have the same dream, just don't reach for the glass. Yeah. Like well, the, that's what he said. Just change the dream, see what happens, break the routine and maybe it'll stop. Well, so before that though, real quick, he was like, you're talking about a night nurse. And she's like, yeah. He's like, what about this oh, one? Yeah. And he pulls the curtain yeah. back and there's just a nurse standing there. And it's like, how long was she there? Like, and he she- says something like, this is the only nurse. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. But it was but, such a weird thing to do. Be like, is it her? Okay. You're dismissed. And set her, set her on her it, way. It, it is strange too that like he shows her one nurse in the hotel. And he's like, "See, you're crazy." Yeah, like this proves it. Yeah, but but the, <laughs> like yeah. this one nurse in the hospital—that's not her. So see, 
It's a dream. But the fact that but the fact that she was standing there at the ready for him to pull the curtain <laughs> means that he knew that he was coming in to have this exact conversation to disprove her. So he thought about this in advance, you know. So I'm like, it was just a weird moment, you know. Like I thought that was it's it's funny now, but I don't think it was meant to be funny then, you know. No, so, it was just to move the story along faster. Yeah, but anyway, um, so yeah, yeah he that, that is her, funny. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. It was like, yeah, there's one nurse. That's this it. isn't her. Nope. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, well, obviously, if you're up to something, you wouldn't show her the nurse. Like, <laughs> this doesn't disprove anything. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, he tells her, like, maybe break the routine, you know, and that's honestly like that's not bad advice. You know, no, like it's, it's good. Like, yeah. So uh, Barney ends up leaving and she's mad because he doesn't believe her and tells him basically, like, don't come back. <laughs> he tries to kiss um, her, too. Do you see? Remember that he tries to come in for a kiss and she she rebuffs him. You know, it's, yeah, it's weird. Anyway, uh, another interesting thing with her character, I wrote it down in my notes at this point. She refers to herself as we throughout the entire episode. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that. You're right. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what, what that was about. I couldn't really place it. And uh, I, I, I don't know. It was just a weird character quirk. That kind of work though. <laughs> I mean, she was kind of speaking like, you know, I don't know, like, um, like it would, how'd she say it? It was like, uh, there's times when the she doctor said, was saying it to her and she's like, yeah, it would, it would please us as well or something like that. Um, but not us. She would say, we, well, you're right. I don't know. I, I, I didn't pick up on that. That is odd. She said it. She said it most of the episode. She referred to herself as we, oh. so I, I don't know if that was just something with like her dialect that she was using. Cause she kind of had that New York accent. Maybe it was just something of the time. Uh, <laughs> she felt like she dialect. would have been roommates with the girl from the most, uh, was it the most unusual camera? I feel like they would have lived together and had uh, kooky adventures. Yeah. Like, that, <laughs> that would be a great pilot. Like what? Forget, uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah. Like that would have been a, uh, that would have been great to have them t- together. Just like two, two blondes taken on the world, you know, but anyway, sorry. I digress. Yeah. Um, so she wakes up again at night and the dream starts to repeat. So as she's reaching for her water, she decides to grab a cigarette instead <laughs> and ends up dropping her cigarette and knocks the glass over trying to pick up the cigarette. Um, and then the dream repeats exactly the same as it does in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. I just like that she had cigarettes in the hospital room and she could smoke freely. That's just, I know that's 1961, but it's still weird. But, is grabbing a cigarette over the water was a healthier option. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not there. There may not be fluoride in that. You don't know. Um, so, yeah. but whenever like she drops the glass, her face, like there's, there's a really good moment of like, she has that terror of like, I can't stop this. And she sells yeah, it so really She well. understands immediately that there's no, there's no stopping this dream. Yeah. And you're Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, that's what I mean. When she breaks her typical character, and again, I've, I'm not saying that her character that she plays, the witty, um, kind of brazen character that she is, um, I'm not saying that's bad, but when she breaks that character and really like gives a performance, she is fantastic in yeah. this episode. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I just want to kind of re-say, I don't think she's bad at what she's doing the rest of this episode, but it's moments like that when she's shivering down the basement, terrified or running away or having that moment of dread, dropping the water, grabbing her cigarette. Like it's just so good. Yeah. And I feel like she could have gone on if somebody would have just cast her in some other type of role. Like she could have gone on to do some 
really incredible stuff possibly like could you imagine her like a hitchcock film like that would have been yeah, great. yeah like, like I, she had just, the look yeah she okay. was definitely beautiful like she she would have been perfect i mean uh may, maybe she didn't want to work with hitchcock <laughs> it was kind of his type yeah um, um so so as she's like waking up in terror, like the, the hospital staff's holding her down. The doctor's just like, um, they're, they're drugging her. And I forget what he says exactly to her, but he's like, make sure she sleeps through the night. It's like, all right, well, I guess the dream thing didn't work. So you're just going to drug her into like a coma. So yeah, go, yeah. go back to sleep again. <laughs> like You're terrified of this dream. Let's put you to sleep. So you have the dream. So then, again, yeah. And then it cuts to like, she's leaving the hospital. She's fine. Like, there's no explanation or breakthrough of what happened. Do you yeah, realize her, that it's like, she's just suddenly she's dressed and ready to go. Like, it's really weird. Yeah. Um, so as she's packing, the doctor comes in and he <laughs> reminds her that, remember, these are just dreams and I don't want to see you back here again. And then we get possibly the creepiest line of the episode. Yeah. So next time I want to see you, uh, I'll be sitting, I think he says ringside yeah. at the club and I'll appreciate a little wink. <laughs> yeah. This well, guy is. Yeah. He's just creepy, but um, I forget if this was before or after he was, uh, it was after she was drugged. And before that moment, he's going through his like check, like his little uh, nightly checklist. And he was like, well, that's odd. And the one nurse is like, what? It's like, how would oh, she know yeah. that the, the, the morgue number is 22. But it's like she told you that earlier in the day. That didn't that didn't bother you when you're trying to disprove the nurse. But he remembers like she's never been down there. How would she know the morgue number, the, the room number's twenty two? And it's like he just the way that they bring that into the episode is so clunky and odd. But then all of a sudden he's just sending her on her way because she's perfectly fine and he's expecting a wink later. It was just there's just things about this episode that just didn't quite fit together. Yeah, I think clunky is the perfect word to describe this. Yeah. But maybe she just saw uh, the morgue on the hospital directory. Yeah. Well, then there's even the could bit, be. too. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> like, when he's, like, telling her, like, um, we didn't even mention this, like, he's reciting the events of the dream to her so Barney can hear what's going on. Um, I, I don't know if he says the room number to her, but he's heard this story, like, six times, right? Because she's had it, like, six nights in a row. Yeah. At any point in time, she never said the room number to him until that day. I, that that doesn't seem right to me, you know. Yeah, but it's very convenient for the sake of storytelling in this. Yeah. Which usually, usually I'll forgive, but this just feels sloppier than we've seen usual, on some yeah. of these episodes. So um, yeah, yeah. So he gives her that creepy little line, and next we see her at the airport. She's buying her tickets to get on a flight back to Florida, and. um the guy gives her tickets and tells her it's flight 22, Uh-oh. which, uh, yeah, same, same number as the morgue room. So then we get a voiceover for the first time in the episode, which was also very jarring. Um, just talking about how she's thirsty and she's awake and this can't be a dream. And you start hearing the clock ticking as she looks at the time again. Yeah. So, and then when she turns around, she knocks a <laughs> face out of a woman's uh, arms. And very awkward moment. Well, did you see? Like, Where, I don't know if you watched that 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 part, but the woman's face. She's just like, "What just happened?" And then she just like, kind of just like like tosses her hands up in the air and walks away. Like, no, she broke your face. You need to have a conversation about this. Yeah. No words exchange. Yeah. Yeah. I had to rewind it because <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what just happened. Yeah. And, and she walked away. Uh, 
very awkward moment, but it gives you the idea that, all right, so the glass is breaking like in the uh, hospital room. Well, yeah, but then Liz, uh, Liz walks towards like the doorway to get out there, right? And she's looking at the plane. And I don't know if you noticed, but that same woman walks behind her with her husband. And she and, like, and I was watching this with Mary and Mary's like, she's talking about the vase. And you could almost, I think she, she mouths the words broke <laughs> behind Liz. And it's like, it's, it's like, she's like, you know, talking about this broken vase and you hear them walking on it. You hear the loud popping of the glass. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's so funny. And it's like, it's it's just it's just really awkward it's like but it's like this lady's like that lady's broke my vase and then they're getting on the plane i don't know why you'd carry a vase just by itself onto a plane anyway but yeah that was more what i was thinking about maybe that's why i was distracted and didn't notice that because i was (laughs) thinking about it like do you put that in the carry-on yeah uh compartment above you like just uh this is my vase (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm not checking my vase no like i'm holding this yeah um yeah, so she goes out to the plane, and as she's about to board the plane, the flight attendant comes out, and it's the evil nurse from the morgue. And she says, room for one more, honey. And so Liz runs away screaming again, and she runs back into the airport, and she's watching the plane take off from the windows, and the plane <laughs> then explodes while she's watching. Yep. And uh, yeah, we find out that the dreams were uh, premonitions. So. Yeah, and that's it. And that's it. Yeah, and I I do like that. Like, well, one, she really hits the ground hard when she's running away from the airplane. By the way, she bruised her knees on that take. If you see, like, oh, she really, yeah. really wrecked her knees hitting the ground. Um, and she gets back inside, and I like that. There's actually the the choice of when she's inside telling like the the flight people, what are the people that are working there. That you don't hear them talking, and you just see her reaction. And it's just that's actually a really cool moment because you don't need a bunch of vocal chaos. You already know what's going on, and then you yeah, just we've, see we've yeah. already got the vocal chaos three times in the episode. Yeah, like explaining the story. So yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, but then but then uh, you get that uh, that plane takeoff. Which yeah, the, that explosion. <laughs> it's great. I mean, I don't know how may, you're going to do that, but no, I, I don't, I don't, maybe, I don't know if that's what show, you do. Give yeah. the sound and show a flash of light on her face and yeah. just have her reaction. I feel like that would have been more again. Here we go. Rewriting and reshooting yeah. the episode. But I feel like we've seen so many just simple, <laughs> effective uh, ways to do things in the Twilight Zone that. When they tend to show more, it doesn't seem to be as effective. And this, like, she had such good facial expressions throughout this episode that that would have worked so much better. And even having the reflection of that explosion on the glass in front of her would still sell that better than what you actually saw. Yeah. I mean, this makes mirror image look like state of the art. Well, I was going to say, it's not when encounter with the unknown pulls off a better reaction to a plane crash that you don't see, uh, you, be- you begin, you begin uh, to wonder, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. But yeah, I, I, I think they showed a little too much on that. They probably just should have done some sort of reflection or just light yeah. flash in the sound. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, her reaction regardless was, that was fantastic yeah, to was, the plane exploding. So I can't argue that, but I would have liked more of that rather than the effects that we did get. And again, it's 1961. What, what are you going to do? <laughs> like I, I it's, it's hard to critique effects at this time. 
Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I guess you want that shock of the explosion to actually. And also, if if you we have the benefit again, we've mentioned this before of going back and watching it over and over again. You only see that explosion for like maybe three seconds. It's not there very long. And when I tried getting a screen capture of it, which I did, it is um it is a mess. But it's so it's so sudden that. I'm sure if this is the first time someone watched this when it was broadcast, they're probably taken aback at how fast that happened. So I'll give them that credit that they're trying to go for the, not just a plane crash, but a plane explosion, you know? So I'll give them that. I just, it, it did not age very well. It probably didn't age well into 1962, but whatever. Yeah. 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 But so. that's pretty much it. Pretty yeah. simple episode. Um, like I said, based on urban legend, it definitely feels that way. Did you um, want to speak to the haunted uh, coachman or whatever it was that you were talking about that, that not trope, but that story? Uh, well, it, it's basically the same thing, but it's the driver of the bus. The, it's um, a man has a, he kind of has a exchange with a hearse driver and um, the hearse driver ends up. It's, it's the same thing. He says there's, okay. there's room for one more inside. And the month later, um, something bad happens to him. I haven't read it, so I, I can't tell you exactly. I just read a few people talking about it online. Well, well the, something bad ha- ends up happening, and it turns out that the exchange he had with the driver of that hearse that night was just a premonition. So the phrase room for one more, I've always associated my mind with an elevator. Why, why is that? Have you, I mean, it's always well, like, you know, um, room for I one think, more, and then the elevator crashes. Yeah, I think Bennett's surf story is it has to do with the uh, elevator falling. Okay. Um, Again, I couldn't find much about that actual story of his, but yeah, the, it it says this article says that more modern tellings present a narrowly avoided fatal accident as the falling of an elevator car. And the person so warned, Oh, okay. Saved as a woman. Um, That sentence doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Great article. Um, but yeah, I so I guess Bennett's surf story had to do with the elevator, which is probably what informed Serling's idea for this. He just took it a step further. Yeah, I, I, so yeah that's fair. It, it's just, I mean, I've seen a lot of things where you have the character being warned of one thing, and that turns out to be... How many ghost movies have you seen where you think the ghost is out to get them, and it turns out it's a warning for something else that's about to happen? Yeah, like, or people just aren't reading the signs. That's, that's all kind of based around this urban legend well there's like 37 final destination movies based upon this you know well, this whole, there you go yeah. yeah yeah this is definitely a final destination thing and that first movie was about a plane crash right so like that yeah kinda, you know, yeah all right so um yeah i if, like the what what bummed me out about this episode is that this is the like this is the most obvious videotaped episode. There was the screen was rolling, there was distortion. It was the cheapest looking thing. This was even cheaper looking than the lateness of the hour. And I can't blame Smite or you know anybody involved, but it had there was just something about the transfer of this from the original videotape. It just it looks ugly. And it's a bummer yeah. because her performance is really good in the imagery of the morgue and of Arlene uh, Sachs or whatever, Martell. Those are really good striking images, and but the episode doesn't show it. Yeah, this could have really, really been elevated with some better cinematography in this. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I it, maybe it looked great at the time, but it, the transfer is not aged well. 
No. And it's it's unfortunate. But you know what, though? So, so far, we've seen four out of six of these videotaped episodes, right? And I was really, really hesitant because I, I remember I'd seen the lateness of the hour before we watched it for the show. And I was like, man, if this is going to be like this with all of them, I'm going to dis- really dislike it. But then it turns out we get like um, Night of the Meek, which we'll mention here a little bit later for obvious reasons, um, how that you know, you could still do a really, really good story with that, with, with using videotape. Um, so it's, it's a bummer because we know the capability was there. It just, for some reason, I don't know what, what happened with this one. And I, the story wise, this should be up there with a lot of the, the, the better ideas for the twilight zone because the, 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 uh, the warning, the little, the double fake at the end of like, oh, well, it is actually the flight. It's the fact that she actually didn't just get on it. Like, that's what I was kind of expecting watching this again because I forgot about the actual ending because I thought she was going to be so terrified that the, the, the flight crew would be like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And then she'd fly to her death. That's what I felt was going to happen. And yeah. the fact that she didn't, like, I, that, you know, I feel like this should be, should be higher than it is, but something about it is just not right. Yeah, it seems like it's pretty well received. Um, it's got pretty high marks from a lot of people. Um, I, I guess because of that nurse, very striking actress. Um, what was her name again? Arlene Martell. Um, yeah, Arlene Martell. Very striking actress. And I feel like her line delivery is something that probably stuck with people. Yeah. And uh, I would assume they never rewatch it after that. <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, she actually right. spoke. I got a quote from Arlene about this. Uh, not personally. She's she, she's dead now. But um, needless to say, she said, I had nightmares for a half a year after doing this part. It really scared the hell out of me. Every time Barbara Nichols screamed, I was terrified. I really got involved in that one. That's what she hmm. said. So her delivery caused Barbara Nichols to scream. So that terrified her. So whenever you're the person scaring people and you're scared, that, that says something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure people remember that. And that's, uh, that's, that's probably why this episode has such high marks, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have too much to say about this. I think there were some good performances from, uh, like we said, Arlene Martell and, uh, Barbara Nichols, but everyone else was just fine. I, <laughs> you know, Jonathan Harris, uh, I would expect more after finding out what he went on to do. I would have expected more from not too good in this. Uh, the guy who plays Barney, not uh, too good. Either. <laughs> Fred, um, Fred Wayne. But I, I mean, uh, the stuff that I really enjoyed with this was just Barbara Nichols walking down a dark corridor mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. holding her arms, just shivering and just like half crying like that. That's the kind of stuff, especially in like gothic horror that I love. Just people exploring scary scenery like it. It, it, it works no matter what era it's in. It holds up well. Um, it, it, the thing that sucks, though, is this episode, like you said, is just so clunky. Yeah, it just it takes away from all the good. Um things just get from one scene to another without any explanation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you kind of, you kind of got to put Serling on the hook for this one. Cause I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't I think Smite directed there. it poorly. I don't think other than the practical effect of the plane, but I don't know what else you're going to do there. Um, yeah, I think, I think this does go down to dialogue and, and um, pacing of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jack Smite, like you said, it very, very challenging episode to be doing on video um, on a studio lot 
And I, I think it, other than the transfer, like I think it looks good, right? I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I, it's it's fine. It's just that it's hard to with, tell with video the transfer is so bad. You can't light even then. I mean, it was probably even worse. You couldn't light video the same way you could light film. And as we yeah. learned from the invaders, that whole like illusion of the, oh. the candle going out and everything that was really tricky. But could you imagine if they were able to light that hallway properly for the morgue? Like That's that what I mean. Been, they could yeah. have had something really special if this episode was on film. Yeah. So. It's unfortunate, but yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't hate it. It's a fun, it's a fun little 20 minute episode. Like I said, Barbara Nichols is enough reason to check this episode out. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and the, the men being terrible towards women. That's also, yeah, yeah that's, that's rough now. Probably it, definitely worse than it was then. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else. Um, about, no, she know. was just the uh, best little dancer, uh, best little stripper I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's just get to I, <laughs> let's get to the twist. I got a question. Twist. So I I broke my twist up in two this week. Uh, <laughs> that it was something involving her death. I give that a zero. That was pretty obvious from the get go. Yep. that she yep. lived because she She's listened to a morgue. So that's, yeah. it's going to be something death related. Sure. She lived because she listened. Like she listened to the warnings. I'm giving that a three because again, that's not always how these go. Like even look at, look at the purple, purple Testament. Like he was resigned to his fate and just drove off, you know, like yeah. here it's like, she knew what was coming and no one believed her, but she still fought against it and she lived because of it. So I'll give it a three just because that's not how the story was like was setting itself up to go. Yeah. I feel like that's an unintentional twist. <laughs> I, I, cause I feel like Serling wrote this episode and the twist was that, uh, it was a premonition and that the plane, you know, like the yeah. big reveal of it being flight 22 was supposed to be enough to be the twist of the episode. But like you said, I, her living was kind of a shock and her watching the plane ex- explode and everything uh, didn't necessarily see that coming. I expected, like you said, her death or something happening. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if it was that shocking though, that I would <laughs> give this, uh, you know, something as good as uh, some of the earlier episodes we have seen, but um <sighs> Well, if you average a zero and a three, I still come up with a zero. So I don't know how, um, how you, <laughs> you want to rate it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a two. Okay. I just I think it was fairly predictable. It was it was a nice touch that she ended up living because, like you said, she ended up listening to her premonitions yeah. and uh, believing in herself. That was a nice little lesson to be learned there. There you go. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, uh, Kevin, how can people get a hold of us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Strange Highways Podcast. Join the conversation on there, and I will be posting that Jonathan, Jonathan Harris, uh, Conan O'Brien uh, segment later on today. You can find us on Instagram, Strange Highways Podcast. I promise I will post something soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> haven't really had too much Twilight Zone stuff going on. Uh, spoiler, just got married this week. So things have been a little bit crazy for yeah, me. For speaking a, for of a while. plot twists, I yeah. I wasn't going to bring. I didn't know if you want to talk about this or not. I yeah, we Kevin will. for 
you know, like I, what, what, five, six years now, something it's getting there. Anyway, it's been yeah. a while. Um, you know, we've only been friends for a year, but we've known each other for a while. Um, <laughs> and, and I've, I've, I've known your now wife for just as long. Cause I met you guys at the same time. And I've always yeah. known that you guys are a great couple and awesome together. And then there's been a, no indication, like at least from the way you guys have played it, that this was going to happen any, like, you know, anytime soon or whatever. Right. So, cause some people just live together and they're happy together forever. Perfect. Yeah you sons of bitches and just do it and then just announce it on Facebook and everyone's like, is this real? They're like, yeah. Like you just pulled the trigger and, every, and you knocked everybody on their ass and that talk about a plot twist. No one saw that coming. So I'll give that one five out of five. Yeah. So. All right. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, it was 10 year anniversary. It's about time to do it. But that being said, I didn't have much time to be doing uh a lot of Instagramming and stuff the past month <laughs> yeah. trying to get everything set for that. Um, but I promise I will be posting. That's a good excuse. Um, you, do, you only get one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, so you can also email us at uh, strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. And then it would really help us out if you guys would rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Satchel, uh, Podbean, anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. And, uh, yeah, it would definitely help us out if you guys would rate and review us on there. Get us Absolutely. up there in the ranks a little bit. So, okay. A couple announcements here before we're out the door, other than the fact that, you know, Kevin got married. That's the biggest one. So, all right. Yeah. That one. <laughs> uh, so, no Twilight Zone episode next week. Um, however, let me just, I'll just read a little bit off about what the next episode of Twilight Zone is, and then we'll go into the rest of our things here. The next episode of Twilight Zone that you'll hear from us is the Odyssey of Flight 33, which would have been great if they would call it Flight 22, but missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> next week, you'll find each of your names on the passenger manifest of this jet aircraft that travels from London to New York City. You'll sit in these seats and you'll go through an experience unique uh, beyond words and tense beyond anything I believe you've ever seen. You'll be departing next week at about this time in a vehicle called the Odyssey of Flight 33, but be prepared just for a stop midway into the twilight zone i've never seen this but sounds like it's going to be weird so and i i see dinosaurs so there I'm, you go. I'm excited yeah so that's gonna be the next episode of twilight zone like i said this week coming no episode from us on this show because well frankly it'd be nice to take a break so we're going to do christmas and new year's is like coming up so everybody merry christmas happy new year Yes, yes. And don't forget to watch uh, New Year's Day, the Twilight Zone Marathon on Sci-Fi Channel, I believe it is. Yeah. So yep. check that out. And I'm sure they'll have some episodes that we've covered. So if you guys watch them, say, hey, you should check it out. Listen to those episodes. Also, check out Night of the Meek if you guys are waiting for the Christmas episode to listen to it during Christmas. We did it back in October. Uh, I drank a bunch of Christmas beers getting prepared for it. I think we had a lot of fun. So check that out. Yep, and, yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, one last thing. I think you would mention that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next week on uh, Friday, we are going to be on Talk Without Rhythm with our buddy El Goro for his episode 400. Yeah. So that's massive. definitely looking forward to that. We're going to be running down our top three favorite films from 2017 and our top first time watch from 2017. So uh, our favorite discovery this year. Yeah. And it could be encounter with the unknown. You don't know that. Yeah. Uh, spoiler uh, or twist. <laughs> it will not be for me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely check out uh, talk without rhythm. Um, I'm sure that episode will be available probably that weekend. If not that night, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure how fast he posts them, but yeah. definitely check it out. 
So yeah, so we'll we'll do that, and then at, then the week after that, you guys will find out what happens in the the Odyssey of Flight Thirty Three. Um, yeah. So again, have a good holiday. Uh, have a safe New Year. And I mean, I don't know. I guess if uh, I, I don't have anything good, if if people if you're having the same dream over and over again, maybe listen to that. I don't know, or um, just talk to a creepy doctor. I got nothing. Yeah, just don't drink the water. <laughs> yeah, smoke the cigarette. <laughs> Good afternoon. Oh, I was just leaving, Doc. No need. I'll just be a moment. Well, Miss Powell, you're looking as beautiful as ever. I was just telling her the same thing myself. You make an old doctor wish he were a young intern. <laughs>